Listen up, Minnesota. This is the Minnesota Made Podcast. The show that highlights Minnesota's local business leaders and experts in construction and manufacturing. If it's made in Minnesota, you'll find it here. Now, your host of the Minnesota Made Podcast, Jason Webb. What's up, Minnesota? I am sitting across the table from Douglas Schroeder, who is the president, the secretary, and the treasurer for Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers Local Union 1, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Did I get that right, Doug? Yep, right on the spot. Do you like to be called Doug, Douglas, Mr. Schroeder? Or what, should I, what should I go with here? No, Doug is fine. Doug. All right, Doug. This is a first, man. I don't I don't know a whole heck of a lot about unions. I never interviewed a union rep, so I'm probably gonna sound a little uneducated in this conversation. So please bear with me. But before we get into the ins and outs of the union, let's talk a little bit about Doug. Where are you from? Uh, so I grew up in Moundsview, a suburb of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um attended high school in New Brighton at Irondale Senior High, graduated from high school. Did some odd jobs here and there. Um, met my wife from broadcasting school. Ended up. She was in broadcasting school. Yes. Well, well we were. We both were. That's where we met. Oh boy! I better step up my no, game here. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a lot of years ago. It was very different back then. Um, All right. So, but you went to Irondale. Yeah. I know it's a long shot. How, well, how old are you? Fifty-five. Okay, you're a little too old. You don't. You didn't know uh, Rebecca Saplata by nope. chance? Okay, she went to Irondale. She's. She's probably 49-ish. But uh, anyway, all right. So you went to broadcasting school. You're going to be the next, uh, I don't know. Tom Who's a broadcaster? Bernard. Tom Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Was that the goal? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yep. And uh, did that uh, transpire into anything after college? No. <laughs> <laughs> why, why Why? was that? Um, what happened? So I had a few job offers. For the union? No, no, oh. no, for radio. Okay. And found out just how hard that work is. Um, yeah, and and really low pay, and and having to move and travel an awful lot wasn't real conducive with my lifestyle at the time. Again, I met my wife there; things were progressing on pretty well. So yeah, didn't follow through with that. Did she get into broadcasting at all? Then nope, no, neither of you. <laughs> Com- completely different. Yep. Was that like a two-year program? Uh, it was like a, yeah, a year and a half, eighteen months. Okay. Yeah, so it was money like a, well spent. Yep. Well, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up going to court and getting out of my half of, of what I owed to them, but yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a scam going on? Yeah. 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 Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I used to be a chiropractor. Really? Yeah. And, now I'm, I'm, I'm do these freaking podcasts, man. <laughs> and, and no, I, that seems strange. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. That was six years of college, $120,000 in student loans, and I didn't get out of any of it. I had to pay it all back. Oh, wow. Yeah, so now I do podcasts and I do some risk management insurance stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Life is funny that way, isn't it? So you get out of college. Well, well, that's where you met your sweetheart. Mm -hmm. You get married shortly thereafter. Yeah, a few years after. Ended up doing some odd jobs. Worked for a temp agency. I was uh, managing a Super America store for a bit. Okay. Um, Doing the odd jobs was uh, at my my now wife, my then girlfriend's parents' house having dinner. Um, her stepdad was a crane operator for Borson Construction. Okay. Asked me at the dinner table, "You ever thought about being a bricklayer?" And I said, "No." And he said, "You should give it some thought." Next day, I had an interview with Borson Construction and got a job. Huh. Uh, became a bricklayer kind of overnight. 
nobody in my family was in the field of construction. Uh, my father worked at Ford Motor Plant, was a senior engineer there. I had uh, uncles and friends that worked on the line there and were union members, but never really had an in-depth conversation with them about what the union was about, so came in kind of blind. Hmm. Did my three years of apprenticeship, became a foreman, became recording secretary for the union at that point. Okay, wait, wait. So you went from the laying brick to, for, how long did you do that for before you got into the union? 16 years. Oh, okay. You yeah. A, you, you, it wasn't overnight. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And it was your father-in-law. He he worked a, a crane for the same company. Correct, yeah. Right? That yep. got you in there. All right. That, that's hard work, isn't it? Uh, the crane? Oh, no. no. The laying brick. <laughs> yeah, the, the laying brick is hard. <laughs> yeah. Right out of high school, well... I was a little bit of a hellraiser in high school, so I had some fines to pay off, sure. right? And uh, so I did concrete work for uh, about a year before I could start college because restitution, yeah, 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 right? <laughs> and yeah, man, we did poured foundations. I was the guy that carried no, no boom trucks, right? I carried right. these big panels mm-hmm. from the trailer to the hole, from the hole to the trailer. Yep. After you cleaned them off, obviously. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, with your hammer, bang, <laughs> yeah, bang, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of work. So you did the, you laid brick. You you did that position for about sixteen years, and then how did that transition into the union? So again, um, got involved in the union pretty early on. I think it was nineteen ninety four. So I came in in nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen ninety four. About five years later, they were looking for a recording secretary for the Minneapolis local. Okay. I, I stepped up to the plate and and volunteered to take that role. That was a volunteer position. Yeah, yeah. So you're still laying brick and you're volunteering over here at the union. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, your compensation was like twenty five dollars every time you came to a meeting, which is supposed to compensate you for your time. Did that up until, well, really, even after I became a business rep, I did that until probably two thousand eight or nine. So I came into the union as a business representative in 2006. And so it was a couple of years after that that they had found somebody else to be recording secretary. Okay. So I was a recording secretary for a good chunk of time. Yeah. Uh, in the early 2000s, I was asked to sit on our pension trust fund okay. as a trustee there. Uh, got my education through the International Foundation of Employee Benefits. So that was kind of a, another avenue, you know, kind of into the union, so to speak. Getting engaged, are you still involved. doing the brick stuff too, or now you full-time union? No, I'm full-time. I'm the president. We run a business, basically, at yeah. the end of the day. I mean, this is the business side of the union that is run here. There wouldn't be time enough in the day for me to go lay brick. Yeah. And so part of that position that you took was trying to determine where to invest the union funds? Yeah, so it's it's a little different. So the trust funds, so the funds are the benefits that the members receive, so like pension, health care, vacation, so on and so forth. Those are run by a separate board of trustees, so it's not run by the union. So it's a labor management board. So you have owners of companies that sit on one side of the table and you have labor representatives that sit on the other side of the table. Those rate labor representatives can be anything from uh, myself, principal officer, or it could be a rank-and-file member who's working in the field who's trying to get engaged with the union and, and do their part. Um, we have several of those that sit on several of our funds who are just guys that, you know, guys and gals that labor can block all day or tile or trez or whatever it is, and they also dedicate their time to the fund. As a trustee, you're personally liable, you know, for what happens at that table, so it takes on a you know, a heightened importance, you know, within what you're Personally doing. liable? Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah, these are trust funds yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, so and we're there to make sure that the participants of the programs 
uh, get what they what they're supposed to get. That means their pension, their healthcare coverage, you know, their annuities, whatever it may be. So you got involved in the union back when? 2004? Yeah, uh, no, 94. 94. 1994. 94. Yep. And you've been at it a while then. A little bit. And has it always been this union or a different union? Nope, always this union. And, and, and now you're the man in charge? Correct. Awesome. You and I met at a golf event for, what was it, uh, the Minnesota Concrete and Masonry Association? Masonry right? Contractors Association, the MCMCA. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's talk about union stuff. And I will uh, be a little vulnerable and expose my ignorance on how little I know about the union. Any union. I don't, you know. Uh, so from what I understand, the history of a union would be, you know, going back to uh, Carnegie Rockefeller days where workers were put in situations where that were not only hazardous to their health, and uh, but also working long, crazy hours, not being paid or compensated, I guess, very well and uh, in, in very dangerous positions. And then they gathered together to form, I guess, a union of some sort. And there were, they appointed some people to represent them to help better negotiate things like working conditions, hours, compensation, that type of thing. The Bricklayers Union we were actually established back in 1865, so a little bit before Carnegie and Rockefeller. Okay. Um, you know, and other unions are about that same time and transitioned into the early 1900s. Um, child labor was the other piece of it, um, you know, that kind of brought forth these needs. Okay. Um, and then politically, uh, Social Security was brought about by unions. The 40-hour work week, established work week, you know, mm. the Monday through Friday, was all brought forth by unions, you know, mm. and, and they're negotiating uh, with contractors. Okay. And one thing I find working in the risk management insurance side of things that it, in general, I find commercial contractors tend to be union contractors, you know, the residential tend not to be. Well, why is that? You know, that's hard to say. I think. I think it's. Is uh, that true? I mean, yeah, is that for, kind the mo- of... for the most part. Yeah? I mean, okay. you've, you've got some trades. You know, the electricians union, the uh, HVAC unions that are you know kind of have a piece of that market, so to speak. You know, and uh, the bricklayers union actually had a piece of that market in the metro area here many years ago, back in the seventies, uh, through Anderson Homes. We had. Uh, a number of companies that worked, you know, residential. Depending on where you are in the state, that's very true and, and sometimes not true. You mm-hmm. know, in Duluth, we have several of our masonry contractors up there that work on uh, residential homes throughout their, their whole career and rarely touch commercial. Mm-hmm. Here in the city, it is more, uh, you know, what you just stated. You know, yeah. the residential piece is predominantly more non-union. Commercial side is predominantly more union. Why that happened and why that transition happened, I, I really can't say. I mean, it's it's for the history books, you know, sure. so it happened a number of years ago. Is it a number of employee kind of thing where there's a tipping point where, you know, once I get to have 20 employees, now I need to consider being union or not, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I mean, what the union kind of brings to the table for the contractor or the employer is, is that we manage benefits. So you'll have a, a you know an employer who is uh, employing ten people, let's say, and they've got to provide employee one with one kind of medical, employee two with a different type of medical plan, employee three with no medical plan. 
um, and so on and so forth throughout, you know, so it's varying, um, and, and, uh, hard to manage number one, um, costly number two, you know, for the contractor to do that. Now you pile on top of that, any type of 401k or, or some type of retirement, um, the same complexities kind of manage, you know, fall into place there. Um, the one piece about the union is we manage that. We take care of that on behalf of the contractor. They pay in the fringe benefits. The members get to vote on where their money goes. So if they want to increase their pension contribution, they want to increase their health care contribution, their vacation contribution, it is done by vote. And so the, the people, the workers, really have some say in what they're receiving, you know, and how they're receiving it. We negotiate the contracts or the union negotiates the contract on behalf of the members. Uh, the negotiating committee is made up of uh, principal officer, myself, obviously, a chapter chair, so the area where the contract is being negotiated, the, the chairman of that, that area will be sitting on that, um, other representatives from the union, and then rank and file or workers, you know, from the field have the ability to sit on those two and negotiate. In most cases, we have at least two rank and file people or workers from the field, um, and, you know, being part of the negotiation process. Um, so they get, they get heard, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, you've got a collective voice, you know, that is coming forward to the contractor or contractors, you know, explain to them, you know, here's the working conditions, here's the improvements we want to see, you know, here's uh, the raise that we feel that we all, you know, deserve. And then it's, you know, it's, it's done, you know, hmm. and, and then it moves forward from there. So in most cases, we um, negotiate a three-year contract. When we sit down and negotiate those every three years, we are negotiating the the raise, so to speak, or the increase in, in wages for the full three-year term. Mm. And, and then we go back to the membership and say, okay, where do you want to put your money? Do you want to put it on your check? Do you want to put it in your benefits? You know, where, okay. where does it want to go? Um, that that happens yearly. Yeah. So every year we sit down and do that. Um, and it varies, you know, throughout the state. We, we're a three-state local. Uh, we just signed the contract last year for a five-year term, you know, so which is a little bit out of the ordinary, but a, but a good thing at the end of the day. Um, and we have some areas that only want to sign a one-year contract and sit down every year and sit down and talk. When you say area, is that a state? So it's chapters, when we call it or chapters. So um, Minnesota, so like in the metro area, it's chapter one. Hmm. So that's, you know, kind of chapter one, you know, where, where we, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul metro area, you have a Duluth area, you have Rochester, you have New Orleans, Springfield, you have Winona, you have Mankato, you have St. Cloud, you have, you know, so it varies, you know, yeah. um, and North Dakota, we have four areas and South Dakota, we have five areas. So you're, you're dealing with five contracts in South Dakota, you're dealing with four in North Dakota and you deal with about 17 in Minnesota. Okay. Um, and it, and it varies on trade. So we have brick and block contractors. We have tile and, and terrazzo contractors and tile and terrazzo are negotiated separately. Um, you know, so it, it, it kind of builds up, you know, yeah. I mean, it, even though you have all these areas, there could be two to three different contracts that are being negotiated in that area at one time. And during these negotiations, is it, is the typical primary item of discussion or debate surrounding the pay raise? I think that's the, probably the end of the conversation, you know, I mean, as far as negotiations go, I mean, that's kind of the, the piece that falls on the table that, you know, carries the most weight or okay. is the most talked about. We were, we were able to kind of deviate from that in a few areas this year to talk about, you know, just language within our contract. And this is simplistic. The, the contract, you know, because you have somebody like myself, I can be here today and gone tomorrow. 
and somebody else is filling this void and they may have, you know, a, a different idea of what that contract should say and state. Um, and so you have this culmination over the years of just things being added to a document. Mm. And, and one of the things we had discussed this time around was we need to change that. We need to make that document more digestible, you mm. know, for lack of a better term, more simplistic, you yeah. know, so that, that contractors and members alike can find what they need to find in there and not have it be, com- you know, complicated. And so we came to that table in the forefront talking about non-monetary items. So we're not going to talk about money. We're going to talk about the things we need to fix within this document. Okay. And, th- and then conditions also. So, I mean, and conditions can be anywhere from safety conditions and it can be, you know, parking reimbursement. It can be travel pay. It can be per diem. You know, it can be a lot of different things. Sure. And it's really whatever we're hearing the most of from the membership. What is important to you? What do we need to bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of did a test drive this time around to say, let's, let's talk about these non-monetary items, these language items first, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the monetary thing later, you know, but these are, these are things that we feel aren't tied to dollars. Mm-hmm. These are simple things that can be corrected within the, within the constitution, gender neutrality, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, is a big one changing of dates within a contract. We really don't need to discuss that, you know, but we need to agree upon that those things need to be done. Um, you know, and other things like that, having dated information or dated statements within it that no longer carry any weight, Right. you know? So, I mean, it it was a very pleasant negotiations this year in the Metro for our brick contractors and and something I hope will carry forward. And if I'm a employer and I'm a uh, union member, I have the impression like one of the benefits of being part of the union is that uh, you kind of have a pool of employees that as I, if I need five guys, I call the union and you kind of do like a background check and maybe some training and, and that type of thing. And you send five guys over that I can interview. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. Depending on the you know time of year and, and when we're, you know, uh, the season really kind of dictates a lot of that too. Uh, in the middle of winter, you're not going to get a lot of uh, uh, people that are, you know, that are working, you know, I mean, we do, um, we are affected by the weather, you know, so to speak, um, uh, in every trade, you know, but in, in masonry and in restoration is definitely effective. So depending on the time of year, depending on the availability of those workers, yes. You know, I mean, we can give them people that are trained that have been in the field for a long time. Um, we can, we can do a call out around the nation. So let's say a contractor and we're doing this right now. Let's say we have a contractor who needs 10 bricklayers tomorrow. You know, they're not always just sitting on a shelf in a jar for us to pull off and just send out there. But we can do a call out around the nation because the the International Union has a network. Um, So I'm able to put a job ad on a portal that the International Union has and put all the information in there, where the work is, how much the pay is, the fringe benefit breakdown. And your benefits are portable, you know, so depending on where you live, what you have back home, you can sign off on a reciprocity to have those funds go back to your home local to feed your health care, your pension, those other things. Um, so the portability is huge, and that includes Canada. You know, So we have the IUBAC, the International Union of Bricklayers and Craft Workers, mm. is also in Canada. So years ago we had a, a, a 
a good number of Canadians that came down here and worked in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, and came down. But yeah, I mean, the perception is, again, I'm sitting in a drawer over here and I'm going to be able to give them to you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, it depends on the time of year. It depends on the market. depends on how much work is in our market. You know, and, and yeah, there are times where we have those people. There's times where we don't. Um, we constantly train. You know, we are training, you know, every year. Uh, we do diversity uh, outreach. We bring in people from diverse backgrounds. Uh, we do pre-job training where uh, if you've never entered our world before, you've never been in construction, you know what a tape measure is, uh, we give a six-week course where we kind of give you the basics, you know, and sit down. And then we help you find a job when that six weeks is over. You know, so we're self-supportive when it comes to that. We, we train our own people. You come in, you become a union member. Nobody pays for that. The, the members pay for that. There's a contribution that goes in per hour to our apprenticeship, and we're self-supportive. This is not new. We've been around for over 150 years. We have done this for over 150 years. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a one-stop shop, you know, when you need a good mason, a good tile setter, a good trazzle worker, a good restoration worker. You know, we are a one-stop shop. We've got the training. We've got the ability to train. Uh, we train for new products, you know, that enter the market. Um, pretty much as soon as they're hitting the market, they're hitting a training center. If we can't facilitate it here, there's an international masonry institute out in Bowie, Maryland. Um, if we don't have it, they do. And it, either they'll come here and teach it, or our member can hop on a plane, fly out there, do the training, fly back, no cost. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. So if I, didn't, if I didn't know the right end of a hammer and I walked in here, or I don't know, here, the training center or whatever, and I said, hey, I want to be a bricklayer. Can can you help me out? First of all, what kind of – so you will kind of train them. First, they go through a vetting process of some sort, correct? Criminal background check or anything nope, like that? No, nope, nope. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any kind of like physical abilities that I – I mean – do I have to be able to lift 50 pounds from Florida waste or nope. nothing? Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... And what could I expect to make? <laughs> Can I ask that question? You might be quitting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as a journeyman bricklayer right now, they're taking home $39.93 an hour. Let's call it 40 bucks an hour times 2,000 hours a year-ish. So, they're making about 80 grand a year. That's impressive. Huh. And no debt, no college debt, no training debt. Yeah. Healthcare, pension, vacation, day one. So <laughs> funny you bring that up. I just uh, met somebody last week and uh, she has two master's degrees and a PhD in some kind of history, art history or something, right? Yeah. No, know what she's doing? Mechanic. Wow. Yeah. Woman. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. Uh, I mean, seems like a great deal, man, for anybody that's interested in construction, you know? Uh, you know, that type of – your. let's compare your union, the training program, uh, the pay, uh, you know, being a, I guess, a laborer, not the employer, but the employee – how does your union compare to other unions? Are they all kind of the same? Yeah, the structure is very similar. Um, the benefit structures are handled in a house. So, like, the benefits, excuse me, that we have aren't necessarily exactly parallel with 
like the laborers union, the cement masons union, you know, other unions out there because they're independent trusts. Mm. So the more the inner workings of the benefits themselves vary. So like we have an early retirement age, our early retirement age is age 55, our full retirement age is 62. The laborers may be different, the cement masons may oh. be different, so on and so forth. Yeah. How the benefit pays out is going to be different. We have what's called a defined benefit plan. So you're in a pension credit within a calendar year. It's valued at a dollar amount. That's locked in. So like right now, our, our pension credit is valued at $160 at 1,600 hours. So if you get more than 1,600 hours, a prorate's more. If, you get, if it's less, then a prorate's less. Um, others have uh, more of a 401k kind of set up, you know, so the, the participant is putting money into that that account based on the addendum or the, um, the, the wage and fringe package, you know, and then they have this pot of money at the end, you know, that they're able to distribute to themselves in retirement. Some unions, their full retirement is 64, you know, some is 65. Um, early, again, is, is 55 or full is 62. So you, you can retire anywhere in between that. You're going to subsidize yourself if you're going early. You know, and we have to prorate that backwards, you know, to make sure that the fund stays solvent. Um, but it's a great option, mm. you know, for, for somebody who wants to maybe try something before retirement. They can leave. They can pull their retirement early. They can receive it until whenever. Mm. And the pension checks come until the day they die. And if they have a spouse, the spouse will consider, uh, continue to receive a benefit after. Cool. Yeah. Um, the benefit, if I'm the employer, um, you mentioned a couple benefits. One, like management of the benefits, right? Like health insurance. This guy's mm -hmm. got plan A, this one's got a plan B, and so on. The logistics behind all that. Also, that magic drawer of trained and ready employees that are ready to go, <laughs> right? That can yep, be a yep. benefit. <laughs> what are some of the other benefits, if there are any? And, and what is... Uh, what do you think is the main reason a employer who's non-union becomes union? You know, you hit, up, hit upon some of it, you know, the availability of workforce. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, we manage benefits, you know, the benefit structure on their behalf. Um, you know, it, it, there's a certain stigma, I think, that is carried forward with being a union contractor compared to a, a non-union contractor. Your insurance costs, your moderating you know, those kind of things, um, my belief, and, and I, I can't quote anybody, but, um, you know, your mod rating and, and those things can be affected because you're getting trained people, trained on safety. Every one of our members that goes through apprenticeship gets OSHA 30 training, okay. uh, which is a safety training that is managed through the through the uh, Department of Labor and Industry, National Department of Labor and Industry. You know, so you're getting some safer, more skilled workers, correct. which result in less injuries, which helps your workers comp experience mod, which lowers your insurance premiums. Yeah. Right. Yep. And there's, the, I mean, I know that experience mod for some contractors is very important in the sense there's general contractors out there that won't bring subs on a job site that with a mod above one. Right. Mm -hmm. I've heard of. Uh, subcontractors getting kicked off of job sites because of too many injuries or their mod climbing above a 1.0. Um, so why, you know, as an employer, um, 
why wouldn't I? Are there, are there a lot of fees? Is there a lot of red tape? Are there a big book of rules now I got to follow? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a book of rules. You know, I mean, that's the contract, the collective yeah. bargaining agreement. You know, I mean, that's what we agree upon, um, you know, during negotiations. So, I mean, as far as book of rules goes, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, outside of that, uh, for the first three-year relationship you have with us, we ask that you carry a bond. Um, so if things go awry and you can't make your fringe benefit payments, we have the ability to make our members whole. Mm. You know, so uh, after three years relationship, there's no bumps in the road. And you let that bond go and you just move forward. As far as a fee to sign the contract, there's no fee. Mm. Where do you get your money? <laughs> <laughs> so our money comes from uh, dues collection. So our members pay dues. They pay a monthly due. Um, and so like our journey, journey workers, uh, pay $29 a month. Our apprentices pay $18 and 60 cents a month. And then we have an hourly dues collection. So local one here in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, we have a 1% dues collection. Okay. That comes from the hour, you know, the hourly contributions that come in. Yeah. So that's how we, cool. we are able to keep the doors open. Yeah. Oh, wow. So what's the future look like? Anything new on the horizon? You just signed that five-year contract. Now you can take the next five years off, right? No, 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 oh. no. That was one area in Yankton, oh. South Dakota. So no, no. <laughs> okay. So I've got uh, uh, another contract that's coming up next year that I'll have to negotiate, um, one in North Dakota, one in South Dakota. Um, so that'll keep me busy. Um, besides that, being a trustee and, and really running the business here is probably 90% of my time. You know, so that's uh, managing the checkbook, doing budgets, uh, answering calls, um, dealing with member issues, dealing with trust fund issues and items. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's no downtime. Well, I, I guess I can't bring up unions without bringing up strikes. So, you know, teachers union, teacher strikes. My dad, uh, he was a member. He's retired now. Uh, 49ers, I believe. Yep, union. yep. Of upbringing engineers. Yep. Uh, and um, they, you know, I remember... I mean, he he worked there thirty years, and I think out of that thirty years, I think there was one strike that lasted a couple weeks. So, um, have you guys? I mean, let's talk about strikes a little bit. Has that happened? What's it look like? I, I know with him, it got a a little ugly. They brought in some temporary workers, and they're out there with their picket signs and yelling at them. I think they called them scabs or something. Yep. Right? Scabs <laughs> or rats? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So what, what? Tell me. Let's talk a little bit about uh, strikes. Is it hap- anything like that happened over here at all? Um, it's it's happened here more historically. You know, okay. I'm, I mean, uh, during my time, and again, I've been around a little while back in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. We had um, a couple of strikes here, and, and you know, I think that was probably the time he went on strike too with the 49ers. Sure, right around that time. Um, typically when you're striking, it's when negotiations aren't going well, you know, or, or, um, uh, a contractor is not fulfilling their obligation under the collective bargaining agreement. You have to follow the NLRB, you know, the National Labor Relations Board. And as far as the rules go, when it comes to striking, you have to be very, uh, poignant in why you're doing it and, Mm. and, uh, deliver the right message and do the right things. Typically though, negotiations, mediation, those kind of things transpire before you get to that point. Mm. You know, you don't you don't see a lot of strikes recently. Yeah, uh, you see far more informational banners. Uh, so you have a, maybe a non-union contractor who is unwilling to talk to the union. And you want to get them to step to the table. Uh, you can banner that job site to bring it to the public. You know, and say this is why you know we're here. Right. Uh, we're fighting for the worker. We're fighting for the workers. You know, livelihood, their wages and benefits. 
um, and this person isn't supplying those, these, you know, to these workers who are doing our trade, tra- you know, trade craft. So it it really depends on the situation. Every situation varies. It was very different many years ago. Um, you know, I mean, you, you kind of pull out your history book there a little bit earlier mm-hmm. on and, and talked about, you know, uh, the, the Hoffa days and stuff like that. Uh, very violent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, very, very different. And laws have changed so much over the years that kind of put it in a box, you know, yeah. for lack of a better term. So the and, and just an anecdote here, I, I used to go into our apprenticeship. I see every one of our apprenticeship classes. I go in and introduce myself. And one of the things I used to say all the time was, well, you know, I'm not Jimmy Hoffa. I'm not, I'm not taking your dues and initiation money and going and taking my family out to dinner. Right. You know, the, the money is tracked. You know, we get it, we get audited worse than any other private company out there. We're audited yearly kind of thing. And, and about three years ago, I, I threw that out in the class and I got just blank stares, you know, and had to ask the question, so how many of you have even heard of Jimmy Hoff, you know, outside of the movie, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, and no hands came up. And I was like, oh, I'm going to change my uh, my story here. Uh-huh, but, right. You know, but You're getting too old, Doug. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm getting very <laughs> old. So it, it 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 gets a little bit hard to to explain to people, you know, without you know using some of that historical reference, you know, yeah. on, on why things have changed and why they can't be the way they were. Yeah. You know, and why they have to be the way they are right now. Um, again, you don't see a lot of striking going on uh, because there's other means for you to come to resolve. Sure. You know, prior to getting to that point. Cool. All right. Anything else you think we should cover that you feel is important that we didn't already talk about? Yeah. Uh, again, we are all the trades. And I'm not just talking for the bricklayers and like craft workers here. We are an open door. You know, I mean, if you feel that uh, our line of work is something you want to do, uh, when you walk through that door, you're walking into a career. You're not walking into a job. You know, we're here for the long haul. We make sure and take care of our membership and we have the benefits to back it up. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a career path. It is on a job path. This is not something you're going to walk into this week and walk out next week to find something similar. Um, we can, we can teach you, we can train you, uh, continuing education is there throughout your career. Um, again, we all, you know, the, the vast majority of us have resources, like I described earlier. Um, just because you go through a three-year apprenticeship program doesn't mean your learning is done. Uh, those new products hit the industry all the time. Um, and we're there to train those new products to every member. Um, again, the International Masonry Institute out in Bowie, Maryland, under the IMI, that, that's our training resource too. You want to you want to excel. You want to become a superintendent. You want to become a business owner. We are there to help you on that path. Cool. You know, and anybody that wants my job can I have it. Yeah, you get voted in. You uh-huh. know, so I mean, it's it's um, it's it's not uh, handed to anybody. It's uh, by the membership. You get voted into it. So my career path ended me here, and and uh, or has brought me here. I should say, um, I didn't plan on this. Yeah. Uh, it happened. You hmm. know, and uh, anybody can do this. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So where do they go to find out more information? So our website is uh, B A C the number one M N hyphen or dash nd.org bro you gotta you gotta fix that, <laughs> that is, i gotta that, add, that's terrible I, I gotta add sd too so <laughs> so yeah it's a long deal if you google or look up bricklayers union local one minnesota it'll pop up um you go on there you go into our member tab if you're looking for work or if this interests you you know go to our member tab you can see all our benefits um you can see everything that we offer to the member there's a training tab uh, on there too, so you can go to our training center. They have their own website. 
Um, you can go onto that website and kind of look what the training looks like. And if you want to come down and visit the uh, training center or, or the union hall even and sit down and talk with me, uh, doors open. Awesome. All right, Doug Schroeder, President, Secretary, Treasurer of the Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers, uh, lo- Local Union 1, Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. There you go. Guys, check them out. That website, it's a... It's one that you'll never forget. It's uh, www.bac1mn-nd for North Dakota.org. Check them out. Seems like a great opportunity. Appreciate your time, Doug. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Made Podcast. Want to be a guest on Minnesota Made or know someone who should be? Apply online at minnesotamadepodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app to be notified when new episodes become available. And we'll see you next time on Minnesota Made.